it's the next level. Lucky Yates. Hey there, this is Jimmy Simpson. Hello, this is Brad Sherwood. Hi, this is Claire Coffey. This is Andy Daly. Hey there, this is Kevin Durant. Hi, I'm Chris Parnell. Hey, this is DJ Fine. Hey, y'all, this is David Hoffman. You are listening to Level Have Fun. Welcome to the Spotlight with Ben Beck. This is the inaugural episode of the relaunch of the podcast, and my guest for the spotlight this time around is musician Pete Mitchell. Pete and I go way back. Uh, he was one of our first guests on the showcast when we had first launched the podcast and launched Next Level about four or five years ago. Uh, this is one of the first times I've kept in contact with Pete over the years, but this is one of the first times I've actually spoken to him in a while, so it was a lot of fun getting to catch up with Pete. Uh, through this interview. Uh, Pete has just released a new album, Musings on Musings on Mars, which is a wonderful collection of 80s covers of songs that I guarantee you that you know. And he puts a jazzy swing on it. So I highly recommend this album. You can find it on iTunes, Spotify, Bandcamp, Google Play, Amazon Music, all the places that you can find music to stream and download. So again, I highly recommend checking it out. We're going to start this interview first with one of the selections from the album. Uh, we're going to start with the lead track of the album, which is You Make My Dreams Come True, a cover of uh, Hall Notes, which is a wonderful, wonderful cover. I can't recommend this album highly enough. Seriously, uh, you're going to hear me talk about it quite a bit. Uh, then we're going to follow through with the interview and we're going to wrap up with another song off the album. That uh, is another one of my favorites in the album, which is a cover of the uh, Men at Work song, Land Down Under. My favorite song in this album is a cover that he does of Life on Mars by David Bowie. Not going to play that one on this podcast because I want you to go to the album and hear it for yourself. So again, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon, Bandcamp, all those places. Go check out his album, Musings on Mars. You can check him out at DasPD on Twitter and Instagram, DasPD.com, D-A-S-P-E-T-E-Y, and of course, Facebook.com slash Pete Mitchell Music. So here it is, the first song from the album, followed by the interview, then another song. Enjoy. What I want you got might be hard to handle Like a flame that burns a candle The candle feeds the flame What I got full stock, thoughts and dreams that scatter And you pull them all together And how I can't explain Well, you You make my dreams come true Well, 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 you Make my dreams come true On a night when bad dreams become a screamer And you're messing with the dreamer I can laugh it in the face Twist and shout my way out Though you wrap yourself around me And I ain't the way you found me And I'll never be the same Well, you Make my dreams come true Oh, well, 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 you You make my dreams come true Listen to this 
My guest this time around is a great musician, artist, and funny enough, former uh, former guest of the podcast who just released a new album, Musings on Mars, and it's almost appropriate that I'm having on having him on as my first guest on the relaunch of the podcast, since he was one of the first guests I had on when I first launched it a few years ago. So please welcome back to the spotlight, the one and only Pete Mitchell. Ooh, thanks, man. It's good to be here. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, it's so weird, because I've had a number of people tell me, like, you need applause or something like that. I'm like, well... <laughs> A plus sound effect just sounds cheesy. Yeah, because so, everybody knows no one's in here with us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So and we've done a couple. I, I used to do a couple live podcasts every now and again with audiences, and they seem to work. But that's about the only time applause works when it's only two people. Otherwise, right. it sounds it sounds forced. <laughs> <laughs> so how you been, man? It's been um. It, we were talking a little bit before we started recording, but it's definitely been a while since we uh. We've spoken. I think it's probably been a, maybe four years since we had you on the podcast before. Wow. Yeah. You know what? That makes sense because, uh, yeah. Thanks. It yeah. Been right after uh, our, my third album with No More Kings came out, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's. I think that was why we had you on was you had just released yeah. the latest No More Kings. And um, man, let me tell you, I still listen. I, I, all three of those albums I have in my rotation in my playlists and every once in a while I'll still get people like if I'm in the car driving with people and they'll hear a song they'll still ask me who it is and I'm oh, always so happy to tell them that it's you <laughs> oh man <laughs> because I, I, I still listen to those albums nonstop. I sing along every time I mean <laughs> it, from the original songs that were on there like I remember telling you before like this was one of my favorite songs oh, yeah, yeah. that you've done before <laughs> Uh, but you know, like Leroy and me, and it's just like a fun, upbeat song. And there's just, I love it so much. I love this song so oh, much. Thanks, I love hearing that because I feel like, you know, a lot of times people, people go for like super leg or, you know, some of the, some of the more pop, uh, you know, pop culture oriented ones. So yeah. it's nice when someone, when, when, you know, you tell me that you like this, that song, this, which is much more of a personal song for me. 
Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's and that's that's one of the reasons why I think I I kind of gravitate towards that song a little bit more than some of the others is because it is original and it's it's just it. I don't know what the meaning is behind it, but I feel like everybody finds a different meaning in it when when they listen to the song. Yeah, yeah. So that's one of the reasons why I love that one. Uh, what's the status? I know you 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 know you put out a new album re, uh, with Musings on Mars that we'll we'll talk about in a couple minutes, uh, and with uh, your your musical partner Billy Zappia. But what's the status of No More Kings right now? Are, are we done, or is there possibility of reunion down the road? Uh, it, they're absolutely. We're not done. We're not done. Good. It's, uh, it's the same place that we're always in with Neil. So Neil lives in in Kentucky. I live out here in, in Vegas. So we're you know we're opposite coasts for the most part. And um, it's just, it got harder and harder. You know, we grew up together in the same town, going to the same high school. So it used to be a lot easier for us to get together and make music. Yeah. And then, weirdly enough, once we got signed and started touring, it became harder and harder to get together and make music. You know, our lives sort of went different ways. So the first two albums were both done on our record label at the time, Astonish. And then that label folded. And we did. we decided just kind of, hey, let's do this third album independently on our own. And so we released NMK3. Um, God, when was so that was like 2013? Yeah, I think it's yeah, around that time. Yikes! <laughs> That's what's sad about this. So you know, I released Musings on Mars, you know, this recently this month, and um, it's I'm really happy with how people are responding to it. But inevitably, there's the hey, when's the next No More Kings album coming out? And it's fun. It's like ah, no matter what I do, people people still just want that. <laughs> well, I um, mean, yeah, it's but you know what? I, I have to say and. Uh, there was a couple of things I wanted to bring up before we started talking about Musings on Mars, but we can jump into it a little bit, is that it's such a departure from No More Kings, and I think that's one of the reasons why I love it so much, and not not blowing smoke up your ass or anything like that. Like I have legitimately listened to that album, oh God, at, at least 10, 12 times. Um, oh. You know, if I'm out grocery shopping, I'm one of those guys that when you when you past me in the aisles of the grocery store i have earbuds in my ears because i'm listening <laughs> i'm listening to something whether it's a podcast or an album and mm-hmm. that's been my go-to album lately is i've just been listening to that or if i'm around my my you know my apartment and I'm, I'm cleaning that's what i have on because the songs and we'll get to like song selection and stuff like that but like the songs are so they're songs that you know yeah and i yeah. think that's one of the big attractions to the album yes is is the fact that you know while it's a different take, these are these are songs that you know. So I'm I'm even happy to hear, you know, as someone who's been a fan of yours for a while, that people are really taken to the album. Yeah, I, I, and for that exact reason, I kind of felt like it's funny. You're, you're right; it is a pretty big departure from No More King stuff, but on some level, it's it's almost not. And when I, the reason I say that is, you know, as a child of the '80s, and, and Neil too. You know, Neil, Neil and I were born in the same year. We um we grew up with the same influences. We watching the same shows. We listened to the same music for the most part. So when Neil and I would do No More Kings albums together, they always came from this nostalgia. You know, they always came from this place of what we were influenced by growing up. So that's why the subject matters the way it is, but also that's why the songs sound the way they do. They they have a funky kind of Michael Jackson vibe in some cases. There's like some weird Genesis stuff happening sometimes or Queen moments. You know, there's all these moments that uh, are inspired by, you know, what we fell in love with listening to. Mm-hmm. So when it came when it came time to do a cover album now with with my my friend Bill you know, he's the same age as me too. So similarly, we were picking songs that we thought we could do cool versions of, and they were all '80s and '90s songs. You know, there were all these songs that we loved. You know, Corey Hart's "Sunglasses at Night." I mean, I, I know you wanted to wait to get into. No, it's fine. We can we can talk about it now. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but the, the things I'm, you know, just just sort of 
general overview, like things like that, like songs that you're like, oh my God, I remember that. And then we try to do them in a, in a fun way. So yeah, so I think it, weirdly, it's not that far removed from, from something No More Kings would have done. Yeah, I, I think I think more. Yeah, when I say a kind of a departure, I guess more stylistic wise. Uh, that's uh, true. Yeah, I mean, because you've gone from you know the these upbeat and and some you know more mellow songs that you've done with No More Kings to uh, it, now you you've gotten into like the jazzy mm-hmm. s- style of things. But you're very you're you're right. It's as far as like the material, it's still very nostalgic in that these are eighty songs that we've you know people who've, who've grown up in the 80s, because I'm an 80s, 80s child myself, you know, have grown up listening to. And it was so interesting going through and listening to these songs because while you know the songs and for the most part, almost every song in the album, you know every word to because you've heard right. them in their original state. It's it's so interesting. It's almost like hearing the song new again when you hear these new stylistic uh-huh. impressions that are on it. Wow. So, I mean, and I, I want to I say too, before I ask you yours, because... Uh, I mean, we might as well just start talking about like song selection and things like that now, since we're already talking about the album. Uh, before I ask you what your favorites were on the album, I'll tell you mine. Um, I love the, the take on Imagine, which mm. I don't. I don't think is too much far off of what the original was. It's just kind right. of your your own take of it. Um, but Land Down Under, I, I really <laughs> enjoyed, and oh. and um, Life on Mars just kind of blew me away. Yeah, that's my, that's that is actually my favorite on it. Okay, yeah, it's that. I mean, you know, going through this album and listening to all these songs, uh, these are all songs that I've heard before, with the exception of like Musings on Mars, which is you know like a solo, a piano solo, um, and the bass intro. But um, you know, Life on Mars was a Bowie song that I had, I knew I liked, but I had almost completely forgotten about. Oh wow! Uh, until I heard your take on it. And it made me go back and listen to the original again a couple times as well. Oh, cool. So, and I also watched the video to it and realized, good God, Bowie was a weird guy. Um, so weird. I love him so much for that. <laughs> he was so weird. Yeah. But where did, when it came to the song selection, because there's a ton of 80 songs that you could have used for this album, were there like other songs that you had intended to use and just didn't feel right? What was your, what was the process for choosing the songs for the album? Yeah, that's exactly right, Ben. I think um, we so yeah, we just sort of it started. We were recording. I think some of this might have even started. So my last solo album was called Diamond Head, and I did that yeah. with Bill. He produced and played all the instruments on it, except for like a couple uh, guitar spots. But for the most part, he played everything. You know, so he he did what Neil usually does for No More Kings. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he did everything except sing. You know, yeah. So, so we had a great time working on that. We, you know, that was a lot of fun. And during those uh, sessions where we were kind of coming up with arrangements, I think we would inevitably uh, throw in some like references to older '80s songs. And Bill would like comp something on the keyboard, and I'd sing along, and we would laugh. We'd be like, "Oh my god, that'd be funny!" And then I think eventually we were like, "Wait, actually, why don't we just why don't we just record like a legit cool cover version of something?" So I did. I don't think we ever wanted to do a full album. I think we just you know, kind of thought this was a fun thing. And I don't remember what our first one was, but um, once we started doing that, uh, we realized, hey, we should do a whole album of this. And so then it came time to like, well, what songs make sense? And we picked, and we definitely overshot. And we had a couple, <clears throat> we had a couple that didn't make it. We had a couple that um, we actually recorded that will go on our next one. So we've decided that we're just going to keep doing this because this was so much fun. So this will be sort of a, a volume one. Yeah. I mean, they will all be musings on Mars, obviously, because that was directly referencing the, the Bowie song. 
So each one will be named after, you know, something else on the album. But uh, I think we're just going to keep on doing this. So there's, yeah, there's a, there's a handful of songs that didn't make this cut um, for time or for or mood that will definitely go on our next one. And we're already compiling that list to try to get to, you know, what the next ten, batch of 10 songs will be. Well, if I can make a recommendation, uh, <laughs> only because I've heard you do this one before, and this, uh, going back to when you said you don't remember what the first one was, uh, you know, going back, I, I've been following you, like, you know, on YouTube and such, and there's uh, one cover in particular I remember you doing years ago that I absolutely loved was Toto, by Af- or was oh Africa God, by Toto. Yes. Um, so if you could do a version of that for the next album, that oh would be God. amazing. If not, you know, I mean... No, what's funny about that... I love that you said that, Ben, because that's that's actually when I look back at the stuff I've done before working with Bill, that's been my my favorite one, too. And I think it was because of the other two guys I was playing with, uh, Will Harrington on, on piano back then and then Dan Kalisher on guitar on uh, for the video version that, that we have on, on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And the warmth of that, the warmth of the harmonies of those two guys singing with me, like there's something if I did that, I would have to use those guys because it just it wouldn't feel right. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I would, I love to, we talked about it. We actually had an idea. <laughs> this is so goofy, but <laughs> I wanted to do um, my favorite five Toto songs on an EP with those two guys. <laughs> and, Larry, and I wanted to call it Toto Recall. Oh, that would be brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, I just, so like, so yeah. Like, it's a matter of getting those guys together. Cause they, so I lived in uh, Los Angeles for like 20 years and, and um, that's where I, I knew those guys. And we would, we would play as No More Kings actually out with a couple other guys, you know, a, a a drummer and a bass player and um we would you know play shows at we did a couple shows at the viper room or like the knitting factory when that was still around so that was like super fun and then you know i'm i started i moved to vegas and so that kind of stopped that yeah <laughs> well i know it's 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 so weird too because when you talk about toto uh you know in africa it's it's so odd that as of recently, there's been such a, a such a resurgence of people covering that song. I know, Weezer and, uh, and Weird Al. Yeah, I know. It's, <laughs> it's weird. There's a weird zeitgeist thing that happens, right? Where it's like it's just sort of on everybody's mind and everybody's sort of like, oh, yeah, I remember that song. Because the weird thing about that song, so Toda, I was just thinking about Toda the other day. Oh, we went and saw um, uh, Queen live okay. recently here in Vegas. And it reminded me of like, you know, all the like awesome rock bands that are starting that are still doing shows and i think toto's playing at some point and i was like oh my god they they're like a legit like we think of africa and rosanna but then like hold the line yeah you know, oh hold the line like, yeah that's a freaking so there's some amazing songs that i i always forget about when i think about them um where was i going with that? <laughs> <laughs> you you were seeing queen and you were just reminded of all the yeah just reminded of all these all these great Older bands that maybe we only think of the one or two hits, like Foreigner, for example. You know, they're another they're another one that has like probably twelve songs that you know, but you when somebody says Foreigner, you only think of you yeah, know. yeah, exactly. And it's so it's it, it's weird because you know you mentioned the, the Weezer cover of of Africa, and then uh, I think in a, in a spot of brilliance, hearing of Toto covering a Weezer song in return. Did they do that? Oh, you didn't hear about that. Yeah, they no, they actually they actually did um they did it in concert and there's a studio recording of it out there now of Toto covering Hashpipe. Oh my god. Um by Weezer and it's fantastic. It's it's I'm looking that up right now. Yeah, oh my it, god, it's that's so, the perfect like uh And I feel like that's like the the perfect way to kind of like say thank you 
to a band like Weezer for covering, uh, you know, for covering Africa. And it's, I don't know if you heard the story behind, I know we're getting off off track of the album. It's good, I love this stuff though. um, uh, Did you hear the story behind the the reason why they covered Africa, why Weezer covered Africa? Oh, their fans, their fans kept saying it. Yeah, I think there was a fan that actually created like a hashtag, like a, a Twitter handle specifically just to get Weezer to cover Africa. And they eventually did, and it blew up. Like, it took off, and I, I, while I do like their version of it, I kind of like their version of Rosanna better. Well, I was going to say, didn't they do Rosanna first as, like, a way to be like, haha? Yeah, they did. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they did Rosanna first. I'll check out that as well. I don't think I remember hearing that one, but I definitely got to check out Hashback. Well, the the funny thing about this is, a couple years ago, uh, the Foo Fighters, while Prince was still alive, the Foo Fighters covered a Prince song. I don't remember what song it was. Uh, Darling Nikki. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, Prince got pissed. Yeah. Because he was kind of a weird guy, and and he took it the weird way, and he got... So I remember thinking, how how are you going to get mad at somebody covering your music? That's like a huge compliment. So he did... He covered a a Foo Fighters song, but ironically, you know, he did it like as a, you know, a middle finger, which was like, okay, that's weird. So hearing this story that you just said about Toto makes me smile, because that's that's the right way to do it. Yeah, exactly. I mean... Do it out of love and reverence the way it was meant, not because you're... And not only that, but you by doing it, it's kind of a move of brilliance on Toto's part, because not only does it kind of is it a way, as you mentioned, to, you know, genuinely say thank you to Weezer for doing something like that. But at at the same time, when word gets out, you're going to have a bunch of massive Weezer fans who have probably never heard of Toto before going and shifting their attention to Toto and checking them out for the first time. Yeah, exactly. I love that. No, I love that. Exactly. This is an example of it done right. Like when when you have the right uh, heart going into this kind of a thing, then the best thing that happens is you end up getting both people's fan bases. Going, yeah. Hey, this is really cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You're getting Toto's fan base going over to Weezer. Uh, you know, people who, you know, are into that older style of mu- like the 80s music may not listen to a lot of the newer stuff, may not have heard Weezer before. And now they're checking them out. And just the same Weezer fans are now going to listen to Toto. And it's just I love it. Yeah, it's, I love it. It's fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean, you've been a, as long as I've known you. I, I don't know if you remember. It's weird to talk about it in this sense. I don't know if you remember our origin story. Um, and I say that because I know you love pop culture and like comic, <laughs> comic book movies and stuff like but that. We they were o- both bit by the spider. Yeah, they always have the origin story. But you and I first met um, through a radio show here in Phil- in the Philadelphia area, which is where I am. You had been on Preston and Steve yeah, yeah, yeah. years ago with No More King. So you and I had met through that way and then I broke off on my own doing the podcast and everything and that's when I had you on so as long as I've known you even going back to like No More Kings and Sweep the Leg you've been a pop culture junkie is if not as big as I am if not bigger <laughs> um, so one of the things I wanted to talk to you about you know, even before we got into the album was I was curious uh, you know what kind of like in the world of pop culture today, whether it be like the world of Marvel or DC or anything like that, what what are you currently into right now? Because there's there's a, so many massive fandoms out there, I know, right? Uh, that well, it's hard, it's hard I, to keep I, up. It's impossible, and I could for that reason I could tell you the ones that I didn't get into for sure. But the ones that I'm like crazy about is I I, I think Marvel is just hitting hitting it out of the park like every single time. Yeah, and when I watch Infinity War as like the a culmination of everything. It's like a near perfect film. Like I've seen it like probably five times now, and I can't think of a single thing I would have would have done differently in it. It's a, it's just flawless. And then I, and then I look at DC stuff and I cry. <laughs> I'm missing the point so 
drastically. It's like I want to take everybody, the studio execs at DC, and sit them down and just make them watch Infinity War and just say, "Now watch. Don't look away. Just watch." Yeah. This is what this is what you're supposed to be doing. So, <laughs> so that for sure. Um, in terms of like the the TV buzz, you know, I, I missed a lot of stuff. I didn't get into um, uh, you know, a lot of the a lot of the big stuff that was happening. But but I did. I love Westworld and I love Game of Thrones. Like I went nuts for those two shows. Yeah. Well, I know I, I tweeted at you not too long. Uh, maybe. I don't think it was a year ago. I don't think it was that long. But I, I'd seen an interview with the Duffer Brothers of Stranger Things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I saw, like third Duffer Brother? I, I said, yeah, I said, you could have been the third Duffer Brother just because <laughs> of the way that you looked. And I think your response was yeah. like, yeah, I wish. I, I, totally, I totally wish. No, that's another good one. You're right. Uh, Stranger Things blew my mind. Blew yeah. Blew my mind. It's definitely it's something I would if I had a brother. Like I inevitably would have would have made Stranger Things for sure. Like the the blend of Goonies and X Files and like the perfect eighties. Like oh my god, what a show! Yeah, that's and, and that's exactly it. Like when I saw the picture, when I saw the image of the Duffer Brothers, and I saw the similarities in the way you looked, that's what made me think of it. Was I was like, wow. I'm like, not only does he look like Pete, I'm like, but I can probably imagine Pete loves this series. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. You know, it's be- funny you think about like like the people that are making stuff like this. You know, they're they're our age now, and that's why I think. You know, I thought a lot about so cause when No More Kings was first out and we were touring back on our first album, I was on um, VH1's We Love the New Millennium. You remember the We Love the 80s? Oh, yeah. 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 So they had me on as a guest for We Love the New Millennium. And my thing that they, the only so I, I was on for like they filmed me for about an hour and a half and they used maybe 20 seconds of that, <laughs> which is how they do it. right? They yeah. But the piece they chose to use for me was something talking about. Spider-Man. It was when the new the new Spider-Man uh, series was was kind of hot with Tobey Maguire, you know. Yeah. And um, I remember kind of triumphantly saying, "It's the 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 time of the geek is now," you know, like we. And I was joking, but it it turns out to be true. Like, think about this: all the stuff that's popular now, like Dungeons and Dragons, is back in. Like, people are playing this now. Like, yeah. role playing games on on um, PlayStation are, are big. Like, uh, you know, superheroes are the hugest are dominating the box office now. Like. If you told my 13-year-old self that this was going to happen and it was like, just just hang in there, man. Like, your time will come, you know? Because, like, when you're, when you're us as kids into those things, we were the fringe, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we were that. We were kind of uh, we were kind of the underdog at that time. We were the underdog. And, and now it's it's gotten to the point, you know, like back then we used to like scream our battle cry, which was one day geeks will rule the world, and and it happened. It's happening, it happened yeah. Because, because the, the the 40, 45 year olds. Our studio, our work in the studios now. So people, the us, you know, the us of of the world came up, and now they're the ones making the decisions. They're the ones directing these films, and it's like you know, you look at like Scott Derrickson and Taika Waititi, and all you know, all the Marvel guys, and and they're they're our age. You know, they're just people that now they have their chance. Yeah, you know, and these are the stories they've been dying to tell. So it's super exciting for me. Like yeah. super exciting. And it's it's so funny now to see the role reversals in that when, you know, back when we were like 10, 11, 12, 13 years old of, you know, trying our best to, to fit in with like jocks and everything. And, you know, jocks telling us, no, no, you're not one of us. Now it's kind of the other way around where, you yeah. know, we see like these people who were that way. And, you know, you you see that are like say like, oh, no, I, I'm a nerd. Like I game and stuff like that. And you're like, no, no, you're not one of us. Just kind of back right. away. <laughs> Take you're just hiding the popularity. Yeah, thing. go back and but lean up against the wall. It's fine. Exactly. <laughs> What's interesting to me, though, about it is it, it shows a universality to it. It shows that, like, we may have gotten caught up in the, or they may have gotten caught up in the trappings of it when we were younger, and maybe that's still lingering a little bit. But the truth is, the popularity of this shows me it was never really a fringe thing. You know, like this is these are human stories that everybody can relate to. I mean, the 
the what's happening now at the box office with these particular with all the Marvel stuff, it's proving that it's totally universal. There's no there's no like fringe anymore. Everybody is is loving these. Yeah. And it makes me almost wonder like what it's like for some parents who are our, you know, people who are our age now who have kids and might have been those people that kind of put down people like us when we were younger and now and now their kids are be like, "Well, can you take me to go see the new Marvel movie?" And it's like, "Well, I used to pick on kids your age for Right. You know, for for being into this, and now my kids are into this, and yeah. you know, it, it makes you wonder like what goes on in their head. Like, are they kind of second guessing how they were when they were younger? And it doesn't concern me at all because I I don't really I don't revel in the past. You're right. I think it was more. This wasn't a fringe thing. It just kind of laid dormant. Yeah. Until the time was right, and now we're past that time, and it's kind of taken over. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Um. I, I will tell you, going into the, the using the pop culture and kind of leading back into the album, there was one song on the album. Because um, one of the things I like to do when I listen to new albums is I don't usually like to, I don't, I'm not one of those guys that looks at track listings. Um, okay. Sometimes because oh, you know I'm glad you don't in this case because we had a surprise track. I don't know if that's where you're going. Well, I, it, it might be. It, it, is it the last track of the album? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's exactly where I was going because yeah. um, I was listening to the album. And when I got to the last track of the album, I got to moving on up. I started laughing um, <laughs> because I didn't expect it for one, listening to all the stuff that I was listening to. But it made total sense to me, knowing the pop culture junkie that you are, yes. that you would fit in a song, a television theme song into <laughs> A, you know, into an album full of 80s covers. And I absolutely, right. I dug it. I totally dug it. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's funny. We, um, the only reason that that guy, you, you, so it kind of ruins the joke when you see the track listing, but the only reason we had to call that out separately is there's currently no way to have two covers in the same song because there's no way to, to accurately split the publishing. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's technically a, a medley at that point, you know, anytime you have, and, and mo- most distributors, most uh, electronic distributors, digital distributors, won't really allow for that so so we had to it forced us we we intended on having that be secret we intended on it just being called break my stride and then it just effortlessly would move into moving on up as it does at the end okay yeah (laughs) yeah but and that we wanted that to be a surprise we wanted your reaction of smiling when that happened we wanted that to everybody to be that like just go oh my god i can't believe they just went into this song um but we had we had to kind of let the cat out of the bag because of the way that you know, rights work now, publishing rights work now. But um, it's funny, we did another, one of the songs that we held was um, a cover of Welcome Back, Cotter, which ended up being my favorite that is not on it. It's, we did a really cool job with this <laughs> Welcome Back, Cotter cover. Um, and with that and with Moving On Up, we were like, you know what, we have enough, why don't we, why doesn't our next album be just 80s TV themes covered? And so I think that's what our next one's going to be. That's perfect because that's actually yeah. what I had. I actually had two ideas for albums I would love to hear you do. And one of them was indeed um, a television theme song covers oh, nice. album because I'm nice. I'm a huge fan. And I feel like it's a I feel like it's a lost art now of the yes. television theme song. They were beautiful and they were they said so much that were just a great way to get you into the show and nobody does it anymore. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I, I mean I, I used to host trivia nights and things like that and I used to do specifically and they were some of the people's favorite rounds. I used to do rounds of T V show theme songs and I would play like ten to fifteen seconds of a theme song and see who could figure it out. And <laughs> just watching like the reactions I dominated that. I'm sure you would have. <laughs> but I mean like seeing the reactions on people's faces of like them hearing a theme song that they know but they can't 
quite place I, what show it's from and like i absolutely loved it and so yeah i, I had the idea and i'm glad that you have a similar idea of to, to do something like that next but one of the other ideas i had for another album that you could possibly do and this again kind of ties in you know your love of doing covers as, as well as your pop culture is i i wouldn't mind seeing or hearing you do an album of maybe um songs from film uh, you know oh, that wow. might have been theme songs, like um, you know, like Kenny Loggins stuff. That I was just thinking going all the <laughs> way from from Caddyshack, and you you stole that right out of my brain. <laughs> that is fantastic. That's awesome. But yeah, I was thinking, um, yeah, cat. Well, going all the way is Caddyshack too, so we won't mention that movie. Um, I'm all right. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm all right, right from Caddyshack. Something to cover ever. Um, oh God, what were some of the other ones I thought of? You could do. Uh, like nine to five from nine to five. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, oh god, it, there's so many, there's so many great ones. Mrs. Robinson. Well, well, Mrs. Robinson. Kind of a lost art. Nobody. So these days, movies just use whatever hit song is already a hit. Um, but back then, people used to write songs specifically for the movie. Yeah. That doesn't really happen as much now. And yeah. Now, of course, Kenny Loggins was the the master of that. Oh god. Uh, the reason <laughs> that's funny to me is I um I don't buy records really, but I was in a record store at one point and um. The, the soundtrack for Top Gun was on vinyl, and I was like, holy crap, I've got to have that. Because one, <laughs> I love the movie, and two, the lead character is named after me. Not yeah. after me, but it has my name. Yeah. You know, Maverick is P. Mitchell. So that particular Kenny Loggins, uh, you know, and that has two, I think, right? It has Danger Zone and then Playing with the Boys. Danger yeah, so Zone and Playing, yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah, so we had two songs on that one. So I kind of was like, I wonder if I could cover this whole soundtrack honestly because there's some that take my breath away it would be fun to do like there's a bunch of fun songs on there um yeah anyway but i mean you also could... that movie's coming out the sequel's coming out soon yeah oh yeah exactly so it would be relevant again uh at mm-hmm. the same time but i mean there there's so many other ones you could do um oh god and uh, oh, this is gonna bug me only because i'm like uh, the fandom i have for these movies uh oh well like back in time from back to the future i thought about that i actually have that's funny you say that ben i have a um <laughs> i wrote a, a back to the future song with the intention to using it for for no more kings uh-huh. and i just it just never got fully fleshed out i think i'm the verses were a little wonky but i had like a pretty good chorus that i wanted to use anyway um and it made me think you know what maybe on my own as a solo album i'll do an ep that's that's all back to the future related stuff and that way i can cover the huey lewis the two huey lewis songs uh, yeah, if you did that, uh, I would buy. I wouldn't even need to do it, but I would buy like five copies of that album <laughs> and just like hand them out the front. You have no idea. Like when I tell, like uh, you hear people say, like, "Oh, Star Wars is my holy trilogy," or "Lord of the Rings back is my holy trilogy." Years. Oh, Back to the Future is my holy trilogy, man. It's oh, like awesome. I've had the honor of meeting almost all the cast of oh, that wow. movie. I've I've met Leah Thompson and um, oh Chris, Christopher Lloyd and Tom Wilson and. Wow. Um, the only one I haven't met is Michael J. Fox, but um, obviously for his condition, it's it's kind of tough. But he does yeah. do conventions, and I'm surprised yeah. by that. Oh, God, that guy, I, he's a superhero. He's an I, absolute superhero. I, I, I covered a Wizard World a couple years ago here in Philly, and they had the entire cast there. Wow. Uh, well, Michael J. Fox, Leah Thompson, and Christopher Lloyd, but they also had Bob Gale, who was the creator of oh, Back wow. to the Future. And I, I met Christopher Lloyd. I met Bob Gale. I interviewed Bob Gale. Um and got him to sign a Back to the... I'm geeking out now. Um, I have a, a blank white cover of a Back to the Future comic, and I got him to sign it, and he oh signed, God. like, he signed like Great Scott on the cover, Bob Gale, and um, which is framed and, and on my wall. And, you know, and but oh. one of these days, I, I, I will meet Michael, and I, hopefully I'll get the opportunity to just, like, 
shake his hand and yeah holy crap that'd be amazing that would be fantastic because it's again those movies man they're like the pulse of my childhood i saw a uh i guess it was an instagram or a tweet or something of of leah thompson's recently where she um i forget the actor that plays biff tom wilson and she went and she went to biff they went to biff's for lunch yeah Cute. I was dying. I was like, oh my God, they're exactly the same. Well, Tom Wilson, I don't know if you know this or not. He's a stand up comic. Um, and he has been even before he did Back to the Future. He was, he was in his beginnings of stand up. And it was funny. I was still working for the Preston and Steve in Philadelphia when they had him in studio. And he has a song that he sings because he gets so many questions about Back to the Future that he will literally start his act with this song because it answers a bunch oh of questions God. that it's he like constantly, yeah, and that he gets constantly, and the song is hysterical. It's like, what was Crispin Glover like, and you know, it, <laughs> was it real manure? It's it, the song is hysterical, um, but oh, he, yeah, amazing. he's he's an incredibly nice guy too. So I, I I geeked off for a minute, but yeah, if you did a song of like all like around back an EP of like yeah. Back to the Future stuff, oh god, I would love that. Oh yeah, absolutely, uh, I would love that so much. Oh, god, um, awesome. so tell me a little bit about um. About Billy, because I know Bill Zappi is your partner on the album. What gave you guys, how, how long have you guys known each other, and what kind of gave you the idea to make this album together? So when, this is, I'll, I'm going to try to make this short, because it's going to get confusing. This is the long version. Okay. So when, I was, when I was touring, and we had, uh, you know, Sweep the Leg and, and Michael jump in on the radio, and we were kind of, you know, sort of, the, I would consider that like the peak of No More Kings time. Um, uh, Terry Fader was a was a fan of ours and yeah. he won you know you know who he is right like, i always saw your video of the two of you oh, doing oh, uh, yeah, yeah. so you remember back in yep the day. so so he he was a, the winner of the second season of america's got talent he's an amazing ventriloquist so he and i he because he was a fan he contacted my record label he said that he was you know he's like hey david hasloff is one of the guests here do you want me to pitch him your your night rider song and we were like holy crap yes please do <laughs> so so i ended up meeting with um with Terry and we we became friends because he's very like minded. He's a great guy. So we um we've been friends for like since that time. So anyway, uh, I started like coming to Vegas and and writing with him. Like we would write music together for the show. We just started working together on stuff. And Bill at the time and still is was the keyboard player in Terry's band and also the musical director. So he does all the arrangements for Terry's live show in in Las Vegas at the Mirage. Yeah, Terry's at the Mirage. So a couple years ago, maybe four years ago, I, um, you know, Terry and I were talking and we were like, look, you know, it's cool that you come back and forth from, from LA and we write on weekends, but what if you, what if you just moved here and we were, we were able to work more. And so I, I was like, that's a great idea. So I just moved here and, and, you know, now Terry and I, I work almost full time on the show with him as much as I can. We write, you know, anyway. Uh, and so Bill and I became friends because, you know, again, all the same reasons, um, and we that's so when we decided to do Diamond Head together, that was our first thing together. It was just because we had, you know, been hanging out through Terry for, you know, years at this point. Yeah. So uh, that's kind of it. I know that was an anticlimactic ending. Oh, Sorry. no, no, it's it's fine. <laughs> I thought you stopped <laughs> to, like, take a drink or something, but uh, no. Um, so you are, are you working are you working with Terry Fader now currently? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's been really fun. Like we, it started off like I said, we were just writing songs together for the show, because um, he he's a, obviously he's an amazing singer. You know, that's kind yeah. of like one. Um, and then that worked into writing. I I there's three of us on the on the writing team. So it's Terry, me, and this guy John Max, and we just, just we start writing the shows together because he has three different. He does his, the one at the Mirage, then he does a, a traveling 
tour show and then he does a Christmas show. That's completely different. And so he was like, I have a lot of content that I need. Let's get together. So anyway, and again, because we worked really well together and, you know, it just it's like three guys in a room laughing basically the whole time. So, yeah, it's just little. And then like because I'm also an animator and and a visual artist. There's a lot of other visual content that his show needs, and so we were just like, "Why don't you do that stuff too?" You know, what I mean? it's just one of those things. Like any, basically anything the show needs, uh, visually or you know, creatively. Yeah, like he lets me do. <laughs> that's that's fantastic. I mean, you talk about a guy who found, I mean, who turned something from like America's Got Talent into, man, a juggernaut of a career at this right. point. You know, you talk about like America's Got Talent was, you know, gave him his idea, and now I think he's one of. I think he's one of the most money making acts in Las Vegas yeah. now. Yeah, top, yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Which is it's which crazy is cr- yeah, that's it's it blows my mind about that. But I but you know what? I watch America's Got Talent every season, and I, I love okay. the show. So I, I love because I know he's made multiple appearances back on the show, and yeah, yeah, he's he's an alumni, so he keeps coming back. But he's but honestly, there's been a few. Matt Franco's a, a magician here in town yeah. now, and uh, there's, there's there's been a few, but but Terry definitely is the biggest and. Because it was so early, you know, season two, you know, like, I think the show's on its 10th or 11th season now, right? I, f- yeah, oh, it might be, yeah. it might be more than that. It might be more, yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, yeah, the fact that he was such a big success story for them so early on, and I don't think anybody's really re- repeated that level of success. No, I mean, you're talking about a show where you don't even have to win to, to find a career, right. uh, which is phenomenal. And, and I love that because even though like I'll watch a top 10 and, you know, you get to the finals and there's people that, you know, you know, they're going to find a career, mm-hmm. uh, whether whether or not they win. And, and I and I love that. That's one of the things that I love about that show. But I'm curious, though, you know, talking about knowing that you work for Terry and and uh, I'm not going to hit you up for Terry's contact information to get him on the podcast. Um, <laughs> at least not during the recording. I'll wait until we're done. Um, but it's um, – have you met some – because there's a couple people that – like I'm not a big gambler. So Vegas doesn't really have a, a huge appeal for me it, for that aspect of it. But the shows-wise mm. uh, are, are reasons enough that I would, I would love to come to Vegas one day because I've never been. But oh, – um, wow. And Terry Fader was definitely on my list because I love ventriloquism and, you know, and, and his style of, of comedy and such. Exactly um, but I'm huge Penn and Teller fans. And oh, my God. They're amazing. I've yeah. had the opportunity to meet them a couple times and, oh, and yeah, see them too. live. They're, great. they're such cool guys. Uh, but there's one guy um, in, the, in, uh, in Vegas who I, I heard, unfortunately, he was sick. And um, I, I, I think from what I understand, he's getting better. Um, and that's the amazing Jonathan. Oh, okay. I don't know if you've ever seen him or had the opportunity to meet him. I know or... what you're talking about. He was one of the early like comedy magicians. Oh yeah, yeah. So I remember him from. I remember him when I was younger. But um, no, I haven't seen his show. Does he have a, a residency out here? Maybe I don't know if he does anymore. I only because haven't seen his show. Yeah, because like I said, because he he did get sick for a while, so oh, okay. I think he oh, he, does, he he stopped performing for a while. But okay. yeah, so it's it's so. You know what? It's so weird because you said multiple times you live in Vegas and it just never clicked that you would be working for Terry Fader because I know that you know him. So um, that's that's kind of I I agree with you. I'm not it's a weird it was a weird decision for me, too, because I don't I don't really I'm not into any of the stuff that Vegas is known for. Really, you know, I don't go to clubs. I'm not a drinker. I don't uh, don't gamble. You know, so for me to make that move here was like, oh, man, am I going to hate it? You know, because I'm coming literally here just to just to be able to work with Terry more. Yeah. Um, but having been here and having through him 
meeting all the people that have shows. So meeting Chris Angel, meeting Penn and Teller, you know, uh, meeting, um, you know, just, just seeing everybody that's got a show. We can meet Carrot Top. Like Carrot Top, actually, we became, the three of us became friends. We would go see movies together. Like, <laughs> that's awesome. When they would get off their show, we'd go to a midnight showing of something. And it's like, I'm sitting there in the audience with Terry Fader and Carrot Top. You know, it's like weird. That's <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> yeah. That's like, yeah, that. You have sat down with my 13 year old self and said, this is what your life's going to look like. And, you know, in 30 years. It's- <laughs> well, and it's, yeah, I mean, and going back to that reflecting and everything too, like you, you look back and you, you say like, if you could have told your 13 year old self, like, Hey, this is what you'd be doing. You'd be working in Vegas and hanging out with Carrot Top. You'd be surprised. And I kind of look back and I, I, to my 13 year old self, cause I, since the last time we, you and I have started talking, you know, I have multiple podcasts now on this network. It's not just one, but on top of that, I travel to conventions and I moderate panels on stage. So I've been on stage with like a number of people that i've grown up watching on television and like you know you like for example you look at like the the avengers cast and i've been on stage with michael rooker from guardians of the galaxy um oh god and he's a trip man um you know but i've had the opportunity to hang out backstage with people like jason momoa and chris and chris evans and chris hemsworth and it's just if again you tell me my if if i were to tell my 13 year old self back then like these are the people you're going to be hanging out with four <laughs> yeah Erica. exactly oh, like no, you're not going to be reading aquaman you're going to be hanging out with aquaman yeah, yeah. so and you know getting the opportunity to talk to like tom welling as a huge superman fan was like a huge honor and it's just man it's yeah it, it's amazing where our lives take us right uh you know down these paths but i think it's it's important like as a as a weird message because like we we were just blissfully fo- you know we were just following our like what we were into you know and it, it kind of inevitably led to this these lifestyles for both of us. So I think um, I don't know. There's there, I feel like there's an after school special lesson in that. Yeah, and 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 you know what? It, it kind of gets to my point too. Is the one of the reasons why I I'm such a fan of yours and I enjoy your music and I enjoy the work that you do, is because everything that you loved in your childhood that I'm sure you did when you were growing up. You you never forgot it. You embraced it, and you made it part of what you're doing now. So from your artwork to your music, uh, you know, to working with Terry and your writing and such, you you've taken everything that you grew up loving and you've incorporated into it in such a loving way that I think that's one of the main reasons why I'm just I, I'm, I'm still such a massive fan of like yours and No More Kings and your solo work and and everything else. Right on, thanks, man. That's a that's a really cool way to say that. It's true. Like I I wouldn't have thought of it so eloquently but i love that idea of you know not just paying homage homage to your to your the things you grew up with and your influences but really kind of carrying that carrying that torch <laughs> yeah you're, you're keeping the torch lit you're not like putting it away or putting it under the bed or you know right. to, to find later you you've always carried it with you and, and it shows in in your songwriting and the performances and everything so i just oh, thanks, man. so I'm, I'm happy to you know to to still be in contact with you and to to do this and i know a lot of people haven't don't know this yet only because you did this probably over a year ago and i still haven't used it because i still haven't launched the oh, damn I podcast yeah, yeah. um i, I kind of want to re-record that i think <laughs> no please do because i i'm i do i'm actually in the works i i do want to start production on it again as i was getting that movie roundtable podcast started and the guy that was going to partner with me as my co-host he keeps pushing me he's like we got to do this we got to do this and i'm like yeah i'm like i know i'm and in the back of my mind i was thinking i'm like god pete wrote the theme song for that podcast and i really hope he doesn't think i stole it from him and started using it without like telling him (laughs) that i was using (laughs) it there's no stealing it's yours yeah just now that i remember how hastily i threw that together i don't think it 
I don't think it sounded very good, but it was a cool idea. So I, hey, yeah, man, I, if you, if you want to take some more time on it, I you know I know I would appreciate it. Cool. So, uh, but outside of you know musings on Mars and you know working with Terry and everything, what are some other projects that you have before you know before we wrap this up? What's some other stuff that you got working on? So I I have this like hard drive full of like in progress albums, solo albums that I'm cooking up. Uh-huh. I, I started doing these things as a way to hold me over until uh, Neil and I would get together to work on another No More Kings project. And he's got a band with his wife called Dirt Pro Robbins and they are just rocking. They're so good and they have a bunch of albums. So I feel like he's kind of busy. He's got his you know hands tied with that stuff for a while. He and I talk every once in a while about what a, a fourth NMK album would look like. We missed our chance to do a we didn't realize this, but we've been no more. We've been operating as No More Kings for 20 years now, which is crazy. Yeah. Oh God. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know, right? Because we started uh, No More Kings technically, you know, my first year of college. So, but we um, we were going to uh, do a, a a 20 year anniversary album, and then like have it be a double. Anyway, we had some ideas for that, and and you know we missed that, that window. And so anyway, I, while I was waiting to figure out what that might look like, I just started you know, writing my own stuff and assembling these, these half, half, you know, half finished albums. Anyway, so my point is, uh, I finally went back and, and started finishing a couple of those. So I'm pretty, I'm ready to release probably three of those over the next, you know, six months to a year. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. And the newest one I'm really happy with. So, so you remember the movie Logan, obviously. Oh God, I loved it. Amazing, amazing film. Yeah. Like, probably one of the most, like, I don't even know how to just, it just felt like a classic western like it didn't even feel like a superhero film it just felt like a, a an amazing like timeless film that happened yeah. to be about superheroes so i was completely blown away by that and i couldn't stop thinking about it and then something about the choice for the johnny cash song at the at the end credits just felt right so i ended up recording my own cover of that song and then that ended up making me think more about the the vibe the sort of almost post-apocalyptic vibe of logan even though it wasn't quite but it had that you know what i mean and it's yeah. obviously it's take, it takes place after all the mutants are gone, so there is sort of an apocalyptic sense. Anyway, my point is, um, <laughs> I, I wrote a whole album based around that idea, not literally about Logan, but inspired by that movie um, called In Measured Hundred Weight and Penny Pound. And that's like almost ready <laughs> to, oh. to come out. So probably January, like that'll that'll come out. So that's the next big thing that I'm happy about putting out. And then, um, like I said, Bill and I still have a bunch of stuff ready to go for our next cover whatever our next cover album is going to be and then um and then like i'm just going to stay on neil about getting getting a fourth number kings album soon. <laughs> <laughs> well i can i can tell you right now uh, i'm working on putting together and developing a convention of my own uh oh, cool. to hopefully launch by maybe 2020 so um i can tell you I, I wouldn't mind introducing a whole group of people to a possibility of a No More Kings reunion. Oh my god, that'd be awesome! At, at the convention, so we'll. Uh, hey, that'd be a that'd be a cool target date. That'd be a cool place to uh, debut something. I think. Yeah, we might have to talk a little bit further down the road. Yeah, on, on something like that because I I definitely think it, it you know it's it's going to be a pop culture convention so it's uh, I think No More Kings would probably fit in there very nicely. It's <laughs> <laughs> a prime audience, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So and you know get you guys you know get a whole new audience introduced to your music and and uh, yeah we'll talk down the road about that. All right, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more down the road about that. But yeah, that the whole post apocalyptic thing. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Logan Noir. 
Uh, it's basically has some screenings here and I missed it. But yeah, I, I'm I, I would have loved to. I have the, the DVD, so I guess I can watch it whenever I want to. Well, it's all it, Logan Noir is base is basically it's yeah, the, black, black. it's yeah, black and black. white. Yeah, um, but it's gorgeous. Oh, I, God, I, I, I love actually that. have seen bits of it. It's gorgeous. Like the tones. It works so well as a black and white film. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I just lied to you. I did see it. Terry showed it to me in his home theater. That's right. I did actually watch the whole thing. Okay. <laughs> All right. I, why I spaced on that. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's the exact same movie. I guess that's why. It's the exact same movie. There's nothing new. It's just it's just it's, it's just black and white. Yeah, it just puts like a whole new vibe on the movie, and it's it's brilliant. And you're right, man. That is such a – God, I've been meaning to rewatch that movie for so long. <laughs> <That's> so good, <laughs> dude. I might have to do that. It is – it is arguably probably one of the best superhero movies I've, yeah. I've seen, uh, and it's because it's so visceral, and it's so mm-hmm. dark, and it's just – and the the father the like the relationship of father son for he and professor x and then father daughter for he and and uh, x23 like it's crazy the way that they weave those in together and the reluctant father in both cases the reluctant father you know oh my god there's just a, there's a lot of depth there like crazy depth yeah and he, and Hugh Jackman is just he i think arguably probably my favorite my favorite living actor right now from you know logan to wow i would agree with uh, yeah man to I, like I, i'm a massive fan of the movie real steel i don't know if you've ever seen I that i never saw that but i know what you're talking about it's brock and sockham robots it, pretty, pretty much and yeah. i love it there's such a great underlying message in it oh yeah i love it oh okay um and greatest showman which i i blew me away yeah, i was blown away by that film yeah I, I went into it not knowing what to expect i'm not a huge musical fan weirdly being a musician i'm not a huge musical fan Holy crap! That's a that's a flawless film too. It, Absolutely, it, it's one of those movies that like I I saw the trailer and I was like, I know we're breaking away again, but I it, I can't help it when I talk to you. Um, <laughs> it's I, I you know I just pop culture geek out, but yeah, I I I watched the trailer. I, I was like blown away by the trailer. I wanted to see it. the The soundtrack released like two weeks before the movie opened, and. I knew every word to every song before oh, I even wow. saw the movie. That's a cool way to see it. And then I saw the movie and was so blown away by the movie that I ended up seeing the movie, no lie, six times in theaters. Wow. And it, it's very weird that I say a movie has changed my life. Oh, wow. Uh, but I legitimately think that because it made me think, like, I've always tried to find my place when it came to, like, entertaining people, whether it be a voice yeah. on a microphone or a presence on stage. And it made me realize that, like, it doesn't matter what I do. I just want to entertain. Oh, it, wow. it doesn't matter which way I do it, whether it's on a microphone or on stage or anything. And then right. it, it also made me realize that this convention that I'm working on, this is kind of my three ring circus. Um, oh, absolutely. You know, to me being, uh, to my version, my own version of P.T. Barnum. And it's... I'm like, yeah, the movie legitimately changed me. And I, I've my all my friends and everybody know like that movie, what that movie means to me. So it's wow. funny how we got from Logan to Greatest Showman. But, you know, <laughs> Hugh Jackman will do that. But I, I know I know we're running a little bit of short on time. So um, don't don't disconnect. I'm just going to wrap up the interview. Um, I, I want to let everybody know that where they can check you out, your your website. Dot, I still love Das PD. Um, <laughs> www.daspd.com. You're on, uh, I know Twitter is Instagram. Are you on Instagram as Das PD as well? Yeah, yeah that's, my, that's my code name for everything, luckily. I was lucky. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah youtube.com slash daspd which is where everybody can find videos for everything like your your improv loops and things like that which i think are fantastic oh, um facebook.com slash pete mitchell music which i highly recommend everybody go and like the page and then musings on mars which is out now available on itunes spotify bandcamp i know it's uh amazon music google play it's it's out there you can find it and i highly recommend people check it out 
So, but Pete, thanks so much again for for coming on, coming back on, and being my first guest on the relaunch of the podcast. Nice, woo! So I'm, I'm honored. Yeah, Thank man. But uh, I encourage everybody to check out all the other podcasts on the Next Level Podcast Network as well, nextlevelradioonline.com, facebook.com slash nextlevelradioonline, and on Twitter at nxtlevelradio. I, I got to change that. We're not online radio anymore. We're just podcasts. Um, but Pete, again, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. So, All right, guys. Until the next time, we'll see you in the spotlight. Traveling in a fried out combe On a hippie trail head full of zombies I met a strange lady She made me nervous She took me in and gave me breakfast She said, do you come from a land down under Where the women know and men wonder can't you hear, can't you hear the thunder? You better run, better take cover. Buying bread from a man in Brussels. He was six foot four, full of muscles. You speak my language He just smiled and gave me a Vegemite sandwich And he said, do you come from a land down under Where the beer does flow and men chunder Can't you hear, can't you hear the thunder You better run, you better take cover Yeah much to say I said to the man are you trying to tempt me because I come from the land of plenty he said oh do you come from a land down under where the women know and the men wander can't you hear can't you hear Can't you hear, can't you hear?